Welcome to the third episode of the PK Experience. Today's guest is somebody that I'm very excited to share with you. He is the Bantam Boxing Champion of the World. His name is Nonito Dunade. He's from the Philippines. His nickname is the Filipino Flash because if you blink, he will freaking catch you right on the chin and knock your ass to the ground. Go to YouTube and do yourself the pleasure of checking out some of his highlights. Just Google or YouTube Filipino Flash and you'll see some incredible boxing. Even if you're not a fan, um, he is an animal in the ring. It's very uh, entertaining to watch. But I met Nonito at a Tony Robbins event and uh, ended up sitting right next to him. I didn't know who he was, and but Nonito just had this incredible uh, gravitas about him. And I was like, man, I got to find out what your story is, buddy. And so we got to talking and uh, just kind of clicked and connected on several things. And I was very grateful when he accepted my invitation to come on the podcast. So um, I do want to tell you one thing before we dive in. Um, we use some language in this interview that is really kind of out of the Tony Robbins world. So the thing that I wanted to share with you to, to preface this interview is the idea of masculine and feminine energy. So Nonito and I talk about this a little bit throughout this call, uh, and it's something that Tony Robbins often uh, educates us about, but it's the idea that masculine and feminine energy is something within each of us, whether you're a man or a woman. And a lot of times people hear this idea of masculine and feminine, and they think man and woman. And we don't necessarily mean the biological uh, male and female. We're really talking about qualities and expression of energy. So um, Nonito will at times talk about his feminine energy. Okay. So, and then we actually have a unexpected guest uh, that joins us for the show, and she talks about her masculine energy. So just wanted to clarify that heading into the interview, but Without further ado, sit back, enjoy this interview. I'd love to get your feedback on it. Let me know what you think, what you liked, what didn't make sense. If you're still confused, let me know. That's all helpful for me as I'm launching these podcasts. Thank you again. I appreciate it. And without further ado, here is the interview with Nonito Denade. All right. Well, it is my distinct pleasure to be having joining us today, uh, Nonito Gonzalez Denare. I don't know if that's, uh, I think the, the, your mother tongue would say it in a different way. How do you pronounce your last name, by the way? Uh, in the Philippines, we say Donaire. Donaire. Uh, but he is... Doing it right. <laughs> yeah, did I get it all right? Uh, you are also known as the Filipino Flash uh, due to your quick speed and powerful punches. You are a boxer, obviously, for those that don't know. But you are the current WBO Super Bantamweight Champion, uh, also a quadruple champion or four-weight world champion, having won titles in four other weight classes. You were also voted in the 2012 Fighter of the Year, which is pretty awesome. Um, a record of 37 and uh, 37 and three with 24 knockouts. It's pretty badass. Thank you very much, uh, Nonito. What do you What do you like to be called, Nonito or, or uh, Flash? Is kind of a cool nickname. Is that, yeah, uh, a lot of people call me Flash because sometimes they have uh, difficulty saying my name, or you know. And I always tell them it's no knee and toe. That's it. Yeah. If, if you have, yeah. But flash, flash, flash is way better. Flash. Yeah, flash is a lot better. I feel like a superhero when people call me Flash. I'm like, yeah. that's right, you yeah. know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh, Flash and I met just uh, just a few what weeks ago in uh, Australia for a Tony Robbins event, and uh, I ended up sitting right next to you. Didn't know who you were, and and you're. I was like, who is this guy? His vibe is contagious. This is fantastic. <laughs> so. 
you were you were playing full out, which having you know known now who you are, I'm not surprised at all. But uh, thank you again for for joining us today. I'd love to have you share a little bit about um, your background. You you were born and grew up a little bit in the in the Philippines, and tell us a little bit about your childhood. Um, I was I was born in the Philippines. Um to you know in a province in the in the philippines uh, away from the streets i mean away from the uh the buildings and and the city life so um for us it was province it was it was a difficult situation um uh where uh, we my parents had to work really hard you know and, and i was really truly blessed uh with whatever they had they they provided as much as they can i mean you know where i'm at now is is, is truly blessed but when when i was growing up you know, I've learned so much, uh, and 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 uh, in terms of Peter, it's, it's hard for me to go back <laughs> because I've I've already told a different story in my head now as before when I was telling my story. Remember when I was telling you? Yep. Um, it's it's so hard to go back to how it was uh, as 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 a child, where um, food was scarce, um, and and you know eating meat was was something that was a, a delicacy in a sense um because uh, uh we didn't have too much but then at the same time we were very very happy and it was very simple life but it was um it was incredible it was incredible actually now that i think about it it's a very incredible uh beginning for me and then when i went to the united states around age 10 um that's when i um I started to see the city life, the lights and, and the buildings and the cars, and it was incredible. And I still remember vividly from this moment um, when I flew in in San Francisco, all the lights were underneath me, looking up in the looking down in the window, and it felt like a comparison to at night in in my province, in the province when I was living, it was it was a uh, uh, those lights, uh, um, uh, fireflies. It was fireflies, and that's what I could look at. It. And when I looked down, it was a bunch of fireflies, and I was so excited. I'm like, "Wow, they got lots of fireflies out here!" My dad was <laughs> explaining to me, "Those are lights, son." Like, oh, "Okay, okay, uh, sure." You know, I grew up where um, it were uh, it was it was it was um, essentially there was no electricity when I was growing up. Only when I left that time where they started having electricity, and we would do our homework. Um, with candles and sometimes we get so close because it's so hard and dark that we start burning our hair and I still remember that. <laughs> Even till this day I can still smell the, the I can still recognize the smell of, of our hair burning. You know, and it was, it, looking now it was, it was an incredible, incredible time. But um, when I, when I turned 11, my my older brother was getting into trouble, you know, and, and we were starting to get recruited by gang members and stuff like that in the streets of, of San Leandro. In, in Northern California, and um, my dad was afraid for us, so he got us into boxing. And from that moment on, you know, uh, I, I it was it became my identity. Uh, part of me was was uh, was a true warrior, uh, you know, knowing that there was so much fear within me before getting inside that ring. But then inside that ring, I was like, wow, I didn't know I have it in me, hmm. you know. And then um, I was the uh, alternate for for the Olympics in two thousand. And then I turned pro after that. Uh, for the U.S. or yeah, for the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and you are a U.S. citizen, right? Yes. Okay. That's correct. When did you know that you you said that when you stepped into the ring that you knew that you were that warrior? When did you know that you were that that boxing was a gift and that was going to be your your life path? 
Uh, it's it's more of, of the feeling that that you have within you. You know, not every man will feel that they're capable of it because it is it's a scary world. It's a scary place. It's like going to a cliff and trying to dive, you know, 15 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet or something, you know. And um, it's scary. But when you just do it, it's just some part of you just starts to, to – uh, to awaken, and I think that every man has that within them. Yes. Because I was, I was fearful of everything. I was fearful of, of just anything and everything. I was one of those kids that I was just like, you know, I was very uh, cautious about everything in life. I was very, uh, um, I, was, I was fearful in everything. And I, I, I within me, I thought I was a, co- a coward because I, I, I thought, you know, I, I called myself that for for a bit mm-hmm. until the moment I got inside that ring and, and something awoken inside of me that wow. I didn't know I had this, you know, and and um, and I just started going off and nonstop punching this kid in front of me, and and I won my first fight, and I was exhilarated. I was I was I was amazed at myself of what I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I understand then that you were also bullied a lot when you were a kid? Is that part of the fear that you're talking about? Yes, yes, I was I was bullied a lot growing up. I would cry home every single time. There was things that felt made me feel that you know, life was, was, was not worth it of living, you know, but it, it came to the point that, um, when I was inside that ring, there was just another person, but because, because of what was going on outside the ring, um, with kids and, and not being able to speak proper English that, um, that, you know, I was the target for a lot of, a lot of kids, but, you know, ultimately, um, that was the fear that was within me that that overwhelmed my heart and and my my persona but when i was inside that ring i didn't know i had something that i never thought i would i was able to do mm-hmm. uh you and i actually spoke um when we were when we were in australia together um one of the things that we talked about was this whole idea of becoming a man and 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 having that sort of crossing that threshold from boy to man do you remember was there a point in your experience or in your life where you felt like you were no longer a boy but you were a man and that you had that sense of uh, you know that that masculine identity well it took me a long time to be honest with you inside the ring i was i was all fist i was i was everything that that man man can think that they are you know i wasn't afraid of anybody i was i was there to destroy anyone who was in front of me um but all my life, I've, I've always looked at the fact that, you know, I had to be nice to people. Um, my father was a very overwhelming persona in, in my household. But it came to the point when I fell in love. <laughs> you know, when I fell in love, um, uh, my wife was, was, was a very strong woman. She's also uh, an, uh, one of top athletes in, in, in the world uh, in Taekwondo. Um, and you know, she's a very powerful woman. She's a very <laughs> strong woman, persona wise and everything. And, and my, my, my parents didn't like that. My father didn't like that at all because, um, you know, they have a sense of, of what women should be, you know, that, that they're, you know, man should take over women, women should stay home and this and this and that. And they couldn't, and they couldn't understand why my wife now is, is, was so, so strong and they didn't like that. But for the first time in my life, I stood up with my dad. I was like, look, Pops, I love this woman, and I'm going to protect her. You know, um, I love you, but, you know, this is who I want to be with. And, and, 
and that started a whole five years of not talking to my dad. Wow. Because, yeah. Wow. Because my, my um, you know, this woman was good for me. I felt it in my heart that this was the woman that I want to be with. Mm-hmm. And I fought hard for her. Everybody, all my friends that, um, that didn't support are no longer our friends. You know, we had, we had our wedding and, and my best man and everybody never showed up. None of the guys showed up. What? My, yes. Seriously. So was, you know, <laughs> yeah, so because of the fact that they didn't support my wife. You know, didn't support and, her, or, or they were afraid that she was going to kick their ass. <laughs> I think that might be too. I think that might be too. But because, wow, you know, a lot of the guys they they think that because I was already riding high, I was world champion already, and every time we go out, you know, I was, I was, they would throw everybody out, <laughs> you know, just everything on in front of me, and and they they like that. They like the fact that they can they can be with me and 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 feel that that popularity. And all of that stuff, you know. Right. But with my wife, my wife was like, "No, no, we're shutting it down right now." Yeah. You know, this yeah. is not good for you. This is not, you know. I'm like, "All right, baby." Yeah. You know, I I, I hear you. You know, and um, they didn't like that, and because of that fact that, um, um, yeah. But for once, I stood up with people that that I thought was there for me. You know, my my dad and I were good. Now we're we're happy. We're you know we're incredibly uh, understanding each other because he sees me as a man now. Not that little boy that he he always ruled over yeah. for for all my life. Um, because I stood up for myself, I stood up for what I believed in, and I stood up and listened to what my heart was was telling me, and that was to protect who that partner who I chose to be with, that no one can take that away. Because if I have to make a mistake, it's not it's not gonna be my friend's mistake, it's not gonna be my dad's mistake or my mom's mistake. It's gonna be my mistake if I have to make it. Mm-hmm. And they need to. They obviously had to respect that. I mean, you drew the line in the sand, it sounds like. Yeah, I did. I drew the line because I was a kid that said, okay, Pops, whatever whatever subject in school, I did it. I did it. I got, you know, whatever grades you want me to get, I'll try to get it. I'll get it, you know. And I was one of those kids that did everything for the parents. What What, what was the turning point, though, for you from being that kid that did everything to – I am my own man. This is what I want. This is what I'm creating. This is what I'm doing. Was there a distinctive point in your experience where you felt maybe it was, uh, if I had to guess, maybe it was something in the ring. Maybe it was getting the the title. Was it something that you accomplished that you then looked at and said, you know what, Uh, I'm owning my own experience and this is how it is. This is the way it's going to be. Or was it gradual? You know, that's the funny thing is I was this dominating guy. They called me the boogeyman in boxing. I was knocking everybody, everybody out. Even the guy who was undefeated and had so much knockout, they fear me, you know, because I was this pers- person. But the funny thing about that is, I did it for the people that I care about. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't because of my choosing, or or it wasn't because I felt it in my heart. You know, and that's the thing that plagues a lot of men uh, in this world, and and because it plagued me for a long time was was that they do things for the people. That, that they want to please, but because they think that they are taking the charge as a man to take care of it, but they're actually just pleasing people. They're just actually pleasing and not, not doing it for themselves. And that's, that's, that's why I could remember the only time that I really stood up for myself was when I protected my wife now, hmm. was my girlfriend then. And that was my truly, my, my main masculinity that took over because in the ring, I succumbed to my dad's opinion uh, to anything, you know, regardless of who I was inside the ring, regardless of if I was a world champion, regardless I was beating everybody. But 
when you can't speak from your heart as a man, you can no longer be, uh, you can no longer call yourself a masculine because that's what I felt. It's just, I did a lot of things for my parents. I pleased a lot of people because I thought that that was the right thing to do, even though I led the family financially, but I did it for them, yeah. not for myself, not for what I believed in. Mm -hmm. And and when I stood for the first time in my life, I said to my dad, I can't do this. This is no longer the me that you are, you know, are going to be pushing around and, and telling what to do and, and guide me. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say manipulate me, but but uh, I would, you know, dictate me in, in, in a sense to get me to that particular thing. But yeah, you know, as much as I was that strong persona and I was fist inside that ring, I was still this person that, that was pleasing everybody. And again... I see it a lot from my friends. I see it a lot from my my family. I see it a lot from a lot of people, you know, that they uh they they distinguish this distinguishing uh, factor of, of of masculinity is uh, for me was when I was able to speak from my heart, mm. from what I believed in, and and that's when I started to stood up for who I am. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the difference between the heart and the fist, and how a lot of men either. Are, are all heart and have no but have no backbone or have no fight have no fist uh, right. or they're all backbone and all fist and they have no sense of empathy they have no sense of presence or, or love for their for you know for whoever but um, yeah it, the combination that you bring both to the table is really inspiring and it, I think you know it gives it's given me like a, a clear uh, perspective on what it looks like to have literal heart and fist in embodied into one human being, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, the thing about it is knowing that who I am inside the ring and, and living that masculinity type, the fist type every single time, the majority of the time, because I run in the morning, I think about beating somebody up. I, I think about the opponent that I'm fighting. I'm constantly visualizing this, this thing that I'm doing inside the ring. And then when I, um, when when I when I go to the gym, it's the same mentality. We're training to beat somebody. We're training to do this. So the majority of the time, I'm I'm holding my fist within me, within my heart. Mm -hmm. But that's why when when I can be able, to, when I'm able to speak from my heart, it means a lot to me because that's the time that I can truly be a different person. And when I'm able to combine the two. Um, it, it's it's like having two heads. Uh, you know, but it's always better having two identity mm -hmm. of, of, of sorts within you is, is, is so much more because you can see that the, the end factor of, of both sides, you know, the negative and the positive, the man, the man and the, the female, you know, and, and, uh, and it's incredible when, when you start to feel it that way and not worry about it. <laughs> so the thing is I can be at heart most of the time because I live my life as a fist and, and a lot of guys, they live their themselves within their heart. So when they become a fist, that's the only time when they blow up or when they, they don't know how to control it mm -hmm. because they live in their heart most of the time, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> well, you know, we miss, we, I, I think one of the things we're missing in our culture and, and even globally is that, is that sense of masculine leadership, you know, the sense of, of anchored leadership with a clear vision, a clear purpose, uh, and, and relentless determination but at the same time, also having awareness of what are other people's needs, um, you know, having a sense of empathy. Um, so yeah, guys, there's a lot of nice guys out there, a lot of pleasers out there, but they don't know how to uh, stay to what's right. You know, they'll they'll bend to to please somebody else. So I have to ask you a question. You brought up your wife, and you brought up how 
She's she's a badass in her own right. <laughs> she's a badass, right? So who? Uh, yeah. Her name is Rachel, by the way, right? Is she Rachel. right there? Yeah, come here, Rachel. She has no makeup on. Come I on, just, you're a fighter. Ari, it's okay. Fighter. She just trained. She just trained. Here, it's okay. Come here. She just trained. So say hi. This is Peter. Hey, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. I just got out of the gym. I read an amazing story about you that you, while you were pregnant, you ended up saving somebody's life. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, and, and, and that was the funny thing was we were both together. And I'm the one that's, that froze because I, I, I have my wife here who was pregnant and, and, and this kid is drowning. What if she does it? I mean, there was just going things and I froze and she just got up and just took care of the kid, just grabbed the kid. And, you know, I'm like, I just stood there with my mouth open. So mm -hmm. what happened? This was at, was this at a, a pool or a lake or? It was actually at our pool. We were having a, um, a, a barbecue. barbecue for 4th of July and the mom had one, two, three. She had four kids, yeah. three or four kids, yeah. and she was taking care of like a toddler, like a two-year-old, but she was about 30 feet away from the pool, and her two older ones were switching back and forth life vests. Um, I guess they only brought one life vest or something. They borrowed a life vest. So there was only one life vest between the two of them, and they switched, and then one of them like was playing in like the waiting area, but I guess he didn't see that it drops, mm -hmm. and then he fell off of it, and um, I heard the mom scream, but she was way back there, and she was still carrying a baby. Um, so when I looked, the kid wasn't – there was no splashing because, I mean, everyone would have heard splashing, but he was just a foot underneath the water. Like, you know how they say when they drown, yes. like, it's quiet. Yes. So, um, so, yeah. So once I turned and I saw him, I didn't even look back because when I saw her scream, I knew she was holding the baby. So um, I just – I – ran through the water, jumped into the water, grabbed him, picked him up and put a, just kind of threw him on the ledge. And then everyone's like, are you okay? And at the time I felt like I was okay because I think it was the adrenaline. Yeah. But, um, the next day I felt like I got hit by a bus. Right. So, just, um, that, that yeah. So the doctor, release probably. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the doctor, um, bed rested me at that point. Just said, I, he said, I pulled like, like, I strained like a couple muscles or something because I was running through water at nine months pregnant. <laughs> oh, you were nine months pregnant? Nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, oh I was like, no, Dude, like in... I was, I think I was due July 21. So, and it was July 4th. Oh my so, goodness. Um, <laughs> wow. So, um, so yeah, they bed rested me for the rest of the pregnancy until Jarrell came because they're like, well, you strained a bunch of muscles. Yeah, you weren't like yeah, easy so. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so. so, and you are you are a taekwondo champion at what level? What what were you a champion at? Um, when I was fighting, I retired in oh seven, oh eight. I think I retired in oh eight. Um, I was on the U.S. national team when I met him. Um, I was on Philippine national team before that. I was on the U.S. Um, world military team um before that and then collegiate u.s national team that's amazing so i i have to ask this question <laughs> if 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 and when you guys get in a fight at home who wins <laughs> yeah this is the funny thing is um you know being an alpha a man and an alpha woman um and and you know the difference between men and, and women and the way they they handle things you know um for us 
I'm the kind of person that just kind of walk away. You know, she's the kind of person that push, push, push the button all day, you know. <laughs> but when I'm like getting rage, I'm like, Gah! then my alpha just overshadows her alpha. Um, but she turns into a woman, uh, more of a feminine. Once I get to a level of, of, of masculinity, she turns into a feminine. And, and then you're screwed. This is the stupid thing about <laughs> sometimes the ego, when the ego talks. I mean, for me now, I'm, I'm a lot better. Right. Um, but when the ego talks, when she's crying, I just walk away. But that usually signals that, you know what, I need to hold her. I need to be, she's a woman now. She let down her guard. She let down her, 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 uh, her masculinity. Now she's only a woman in front of me. This is her core. Now my core is I have to let go of this ego and just hold this woman so that everything's going to be okay. But in the past, <laughs> the majority of the guys is they let their ego take over and I just walk away and storm off and I get pissed off and, you know. But now when we do get into that situation, when, when she's a woman, when I'm a man, it just connects. But when we're both men, we're at each other's throat until I turn my super masculinity on, then she turns into a woman. But that brings a lot of tears in her eyes. And that's something that we don't ever want to put ourselves into anymore yeah. because we know how to prevent that now. But, you know, every woman has their ways of saying things. It's just up to men to kind of, uh, a man to kind of understand and take control. For me now, I just, whatever situation that we get into, you know, um, the ego is usually going to be the one to, uh, to mess things up. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so if you can learn to truly be just a masculine, there's really no ego into that. You just kind of hold your woman and, and, and let her know with, 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 with your stern voice and a stern grip on her hip or her shoulder or whatever, that it's going to be okay. Whatever it is, if I messed up, for, forgive me. I apologize for it. We're going to make this better and then we're going to make this okay. And I apologize again if I ever did you wrong. But just to take control of things with my wife now and, and she understand that. But because every woman has that, you know, it's just a man just needs to kind of take control. But if you let that, you know, she's pushing you away and you like walk away and all that stuff, it's not going to do anything until you can communicate. And that's something that we've learned through time, throughout the, our, our marriage, nine years now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, yeah, so that's, that's it. Yeah. What, Rachel, do you, what do you, what do you think on that? Does that sound about right? Or do you have a response to that? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think, um, before we were ever really thinking about, um, the masculine and feminine as far as relationships. Um, and I think that going to, um, the Tony Robbins series, like they explain it in depth. It's not just, you know, women are from Mars and men are from Venus kind of book where like, you know, they, they talk about it, but they don't really get into depth about exactly how you're supposed to, um, to fix that, that part of the relationship being, like you said, being both alphas, being both fighters. Mm. Um, that's basically all I knew how to go is just head straight on. Like I, I wasn't the. I wasn't a, a defensive fighter. I was always attacking. I was always aggressive. So um, I needed someone like him that had this had more um, not more aggression, but more um, more masculinity mm -hmm. um, to be able to tone me down. And I wouldn't have to be this this masculine figure anymore. I wouldn't have to be that alpha female that I I had to be an, up until I met him. Um, and it, it is about that balance, and it's it's finding that balance. Uh, and when you do find that balance, it's a lot easier. There's still a bunch of hiccups. There's always going to be hiccups, sure. you know. Um, but um, 
now that we recognize the problem and we know the solution, like it's just it's just building on top of building on top of building until that foundation is like really, really strong. You bring up such a really interesting point. What you said was that you didn't feel that you had to be as masculine because Flash stepped in and he, he brought his full masculine to the table. Do you feel a lot of women today in our culture feel that they have to step up into that masculine because they don't get it or see it in their experience? Um, I think, yeah, I think um, with every, with a lot of women's experience, you know, they get cheated on, they get lied to, um, they get left in the dark. There's, there's women that, um, you know, raise their kids by themselves. So they put up that quote unquote mask that Tony talks about, mm-hmm. you know, um, having to be the masculine role and pretty much downplaying the feminine role because they have to take up that, that ownership of being um, the head of the household. Um, so when a guy comes in and tries to, you know, whether either help her or be the masculine role, he has to up his game so much more because of the dual role that she had to play, you know, and, and she's going to compare his, his masculinity to her own. And if it's not up to par in being that masculine, um, energy in her life, then it, she's just going to downplay him all day. Mm -hmm. And then that ruins that, that next relationship because she's like, God, you can't even fight for us. Why are you even bothering? I can do it myself. I did it myself without you. And, but they don't understand that you're, you're emasculating the guy now. Mm -hmm. You're telling him that you don't need him, you know what I'm saying? So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting in in the society that we have, it's such a double-edged sword for women because they have to understand that, um, yes, you can provide for yourself. Yes, you're in, an individual, but to have that balance in your life, to have that masculinity, you have to allow the other person to be your opposite. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's it, you're just you are going to be by yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, a lot of women, I think, also too mistake their own strength as just another version of masculine strength. Flash, can you respond to? the strength of the feminine with Rachel, when you come out of maybe a fight or you're training for a fight or maybe it's just a crappy day or whatever and you have that toxic energy within you, the strength of her of her feminine to help bring you out of that. Do you, do you have examples of that or is there something you could speak to on that front? Well, there's a time after the fight, you know, um, I still usually will have a lot of, a lot of um, eagerness, a lot of anxiety and a lot of just up energy built in within me you know and it usually is like that for a couple of days and we would go at it because she, I felt like she wasn't understanding me this but then at the same time she comes and like makes me see um and then put me in her situation most of the time you know like there's things that like why, why are you acting this way why you know she's she asks questions in terms of um you know why 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 are you feeling this way do you have the right to feel this way you know, so she's always asking me things that makes me understand, like, why am I acting this way? You know, um, and, and um, but there's times that, that um, a single hug, kiss, and just the I love yous coming from a woman really brings all of that down. You know, um, what did I, I said something about her, about something to your mom, remember, that um just a simple things you know like sometimes when she when she comes at me masculine and and especially after fights and stuff like that then i get into it and we get into it but then the simple things is like okay all right you know i love you and and, and i'm just worried about you and and this and this and that and she comes up to me in a very very feminine way 
then all of a sudden I start to lighten up. My shoulders start to drop down. My face and my 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 eyebrows start to to chill down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but just because the simple things of of just her holding my hand, you know, and then just looking at me and just telling me that she loves me. I think the best example was probably last night. He was trying to make our son go to the bathroom, and he was doing it so. I mean, he's a boy, but he was doing it so masculine, like you need to do this right now or I'm going to turn off the lights and then you're just going to go to sleep and you're not going to go to sleep. that bad. No, but <laughs> short, short story, you know, like very huge masculine energy. And I was watching him through a video camera and you can feel that kind of like masculine energy in that room. And I let him try to go do it twice. And then I got up and I'm like, let me try. So um, I went over to my son's room and, you know, I was like, hey, like, a lot softer like why don't we try do you want me to hold your hand you know and it became like he tried and that's all we want him to do you know what I mean and but we don't want to create an environment that's so masculine that he's like basically you know you don't do what I say then I'm going to take this away from you kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and I think that that's I mean that's what every parent relationship strives for their children right um to be able to communicate whether it's through the mother or through the father um, and see that, you know, um, there's different ways of communicating and it, each child's going to be different. Logan might be completely different when he grows up, you know, and we have this situation. He might, he might go better to how, how he parents, you know, as far as the masculine energy. Um, but Jarrell, our oldest, I don't know. He's, he's very alpha. So he goes at with him all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very funny. But I mean, that's something that I realize too sometimes. I'm like, oh man, I get I get caught up with myself. But because the woman energy is there, then I have to bring myself down and, and speak from the heart rather than from the fist, you know. Um, and and that's something that uh, that I've learned a lot from her um, because of the fact that she constantly shows it to me. You know, sometimes I don't realize it until she speaks to me, and I'm like, oh man, you're right. You know, you're right. And and uh, and and I just kind of go back of what how I, I how she does to me, and I just kind of give my son a hug, and I'm like, hey, listen, you're a good boy, you know, you're 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 an amazing boy, but um, you know, you're you're doing a good job. Like, sorry if if uh, if 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 Papa was too rough for you, you know. I mean, he may not understand it, but I just give him that apology mm-hmm. all the time when when I do feel that I'm overstepping as a father with him, but because she makes me realize that you know what, um. That's something that that I have flaws in, you know, and and that's something that I need to learn in terms of just my energy because, like she said, I'm I'm just I'm I'm so masculine at times that sometimes I forget that I'm speaking from the fist, not from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really incredible just watching and listening to you guys, and really one of the big reasons. Rachel, why I wanted to speak to to Flash here, but also now that you're involved, I, I can see that you're both very aware of both masculine and feminine energies, and perhaps more importantly, when to bring that to the situation. And that balance is very powerful. It's very beautiful. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge you for that. Um, I do have another question, uh, Flash, about just your career and your and your fighting. Rachel, okay. thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Go cook me some eggs, woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're pretty bad at cooking, but it's okay. <laughs> you're gonna um, you're gonna trigger her masculine. You're gonna get a taekwondo. Nah, she knows that. She knows that. 
I have to bring my my feminine when I'm cooking and stuff like that because I love to cook and all that stuff. You know, I'm the cook in the house. So do you do you cook uh, the traditional Filipino stuff or do you have uh... traditional Filipino stuff? Oh, um, so good. You know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I might make some for you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. Um, what do you what do you what would you say fuels you? What is your main motivational when you're gearing up for a fight? What is it that that inspires you that motivates you yeah you know growing up i used to daydream when i was uh growing up in, in about just being a warrior just being a gladiator and so um you know i would watch a uh, japan animation i would i would all always have this persona within me so when i go in there inside this ring i always put myself in this emotional thing that this is my last day if if, if i am to survive then i have more days but if I am to to die now, I'm gonna give it all I got, and 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 um, you know, and I, I get into that emotional thing within my heart, um, and that's how I was growing up uh, as a fighter, and, and um, you know, there's phases in my life that change. Um, as a professional, when I, you know, I would I would did I did that for a long time, and until I got my kids, and and um, then I started to learn that, you know, I, I would never bring them up. In, in my in my ring before because I've I'd grown up with with this gladiator this persona this identity that I know I don't have anything connected to me mm-hmm. and I was successful for a long time until um, until uh, until you know being human you get into the, the the law of familiarity you get too familiar with things that I started to take things for granted and I hit a wall uh, and and life uh, you know, it was happening for me, and and it got into an cr- incredible moment that I started to realize how incredible my family were, and that they were my motivation. So from this point on, um, it, when I go into the ring, is how much uh, I, I go in there to protect. I go in there knowing that this is my job. This is who I am. This is me, a warrior. But most of all, I need to come back a victorious because I have my family waiting for me. I have my family. My kids that I'm willing to play with, and and that I'm gonna gonna enjoy the time and just hanging out, you know. And I go in there thinking I'm not I'm not gonna have all these bruises because I, I don't I don't want my kids to be scared of me, you know. So in my head, I'm already prepping for everything in my head, in my mind, um, as a warrior, as but at the same time as someone who's inspired by their family. Did you did you deal with a lot of? You, you mentioned that you were. We didn't get into any specifics, but uh, fighting when you were younger on the streets uh, and in gangs, did you? Was there a point in those fights where you felt like it might be your last day? Is that kind of where that came from? No, um, actually, I never really got into street fights. There was only one time I got into it, and that was when my brother. They were messing with my brother, and and I just went out out there because my father always told me, "No, don't get into street fights outside." Um, and 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 if you do, just hit him to the body. So I got really mad at this guy because he was messing around with my brother, and he threw a bottle, and and, and it shattered, and and uh, and hit my brother, and it cut him pretty big in his legs, uh, on his legs, and and I just I just rage, and I grabbed that kid, put him in the fence, and just started hitting him in the body until like his ribs started popping out <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, let's go. <laughs> and we took up. Yeah. But, um, it, it, you know, it was, it was one of those things that, that you just, you lose control because you're there to protect your loved ones, you know? 
um, but it never really came to me in terms of of um, of that uh, outside the outside or in the streets, you know. Uh, as a as a world champion, how do you deal with defeat? Um, this is the funny thing about me now is, you know, being a warrior and being a champion for a long time. When I lost after thirteen years, I couldn't accept it. You know, and the more that I was fighting with that, the more that I was spiraling downwards. Mm. And then I got myself back up, and then I I, I, uh, I ended up losing again. And this time I went down for the first time in my life. I went down. In the ring, you mean? In the ring, literally? yeah. Literally? Okay. Yeah, literally. I was knocked out or knocked down for the first time in my life. I was never been down inside the ring. I was never knocked down inside the ring or never been hurt to that point. And I ended up falling uh, down and, and struggling to get up. And I was counted out. But the funny thing now then was the first thing I I got into my knees and just looked up into the heavens. I said, thank you, Lord, for for having my brain, for, for being able to stand up. And it changed me. It changed me. And that's when I started seeking Tony Robbins, seeking to be just the best that I can be in a positive way. Because the reason why I got to that point was because I sabotaged myself. You know, there's there's a lot of things in life that we go through. And, and if we don't go back and, and heal those wounds, we'll never, ever be a full soul, you know, a whole soul in, in terms of, of just unity within your heart, within your mind, within your spirit. Um, and, and I just keep denying things, you know. A lot of things that we do as men and because of our ego is we never go back because we think that we're, we're, we're way past that. That's in the past. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that um, I'll never face anymore. You know, so we forget to face that man in the mirror. But facing that man in the mirror can truly teach you to be a soul that that um, that is worth living for, a soul that is um, stronger than anything that you can ever be. You know, and and for me, I stood inside that and I faced myself and I said, you know what, it's time to change. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's that's when I started being here and I met you and everybody else. <laughs> Uh, well, so this wasn't that long ago then, was it? No, it wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago. Uh, that was maybe two, a year and a half ago or two years ago, actually. Two years ago was when it happened. And that's when I realized that, you know what? I got to change. But a lot of it came along with it. Um, my second, second child, uh, during my, my, the birth thing, my, my, I almost lost my wife. Mm. She had a hemorrhage, uh, you know, and, and she started bleeding so much. There was panic all over the the hospital. As, as I mean, they weren't even covering as as they were chopping her down and getting the baby out. They usually cover the thing when you when you're in there, but they were running around and everything. And and when I looked into my wife's eyes, I mean, literally, I can still remember this. And it was like a movie, you know, when you when some when you look into a movie, uh, someone's you know in the movie when someone's passing out and their eyes just gets glossy. Mm. That's exactly how my wife was. She just looked past through me, and I had to slap her wake to wake up, wake up, wake up. You know, and and I can feel, I can feel her just, just, just stepping away from me, just getting away from me, and and I knew that I had, to, I had to change a lot. I mean, a lot from from. There's just things in life that makes us change, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's scary. What 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 are some of the things that you felt you needed to change? Um, I mean, there's a lot of ego within me. Um, I I felt that as much as I was a, I had a lot of chivalry type of mentality 
but there was still something within me that that was unfulfilled you know and and there was something that let me not be number best that I can be with my wife with my kids with everybody mm. you know and I needed to change who it was I mean I needed to find out why why I was the way I was you know and and um, I, I seek to learn for myself um, and and I went to Tony Robbins I the Tony Robbins was accidental because I wanted to help my friends he went to business mastery and um, and you know things happen for a reason you know you call out for things you know uh, for me I was calling out to, for a change and a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm going to Business Master, just Tony Robbins, you know, I'm a very avid a Tony Robbins fan, and, and, and he has his Business Master in Vegas. I wanted to go, but I don't want to go by myself. And for me, I was like, I'll go with you, bro, you know, just whatever, you know. And I'm like, it's this much amount. You got to pay for this much, you know. Like, bro, you know, I'll do it for you. So I did it. I went in there, brought my wife with me, and it wasn't the business that I learned. It was you know, even though it was a business mastery, mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself at that mm-hmm. time. And from that moment on, my wife signed me up as a platinum uh, partners with Tony Robbins because it was it was something that made me see where I was and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And in just less than a year, I completely changed my relationship from level three or level two to getting to number one. You know, and understanding each other and just getting that intimacy. And it's not about it's not about sex, it's not about this, it's not about all of that. It's about taking the time looking into your wife's eyes and know that that this is this is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and just taking everything as gratitude and, and just pretty much knowing who I was, you know, and uh, it brought me a lot about it. But it, it came to the point that I needed to change and, and, and I need to know who I was, you know. Yeah, that's powerful, man. <clears throat> really powerful. What would you say, uh, we've talked about defeat, what would you say out of all the victories that you've had, what would you say is the most satisfying victory? Well, I mean, in, in, inside the ring, um, you know, it's the funny thing is I live my life with the victory and defeat inside this ring, you know, and they were the most satisfying thing for me. I mean, the first world championship was the one that – uh that really got me, and I, I was I was celebrating. I guess like, you know against this guy Victor Chinyan, who was twenty eight and zero with twenty four knockouts at that time, and he was a scary man in boxing. And I took him out, and 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 got knock of the year that year. And then um, twenty twelve, you know, or twenty eleven or twenty twelve, I fought twenty eleven. I fought um, one of the guys that was really good, uh, Fernando Montiel, and I destroyed him. And this guy was really good. I mean, those those are the ones that I truly remember as victories. But you know, in in terms of of, of victories and, and amounting in in the emotional, mm-hmm. you know, winning victories is like getting a nice car. <laughs> you know, you start to forget about it as as you know, you just start to forget about it. You don't, you know, and that's something that now I'm going back into all of my victories from the time that I didn't didn't care too much about. Um, especially my knock out of the year, I just put it outside, some somewhere in, in the closet, and just belts are running all over. I'm taking all of them, just saying thank you for this victory, I'm celebrating for this victory. You know, I'm going back into that moment, and I'm celebrating this victory on all the best that belts that uh, or all the, the uh, belts and and victories that I you know did not celebrate, and I'm just trying to get gratitude into it. Um, I don't know where where I was, what, what question it was that you had. <laughs> 
I'm just like going on with, with everything. You know? we, we were, I was, we were talking about the most satisfying victory, and then you took it into the ring. But then you started talking about victories outside of the ring, maybe just in yeah. life. How would you, how would you define success in life? What's a successful life for you? Um, the successful life for me, um, and then this is something that I felt because I've been to a point where you know, I had financial, uh, f- financially uh, um, independence as well as, you know, getting nice cars and, and getting a nice house and all of that stuff, you know, and, and that's something that's necessary for my family, you know, but uh, really just for me to look at into my kids, there's just no, no, no joy beyond that. I mean, I, I look into my kids and the way they make me smile, the way they make me laugh, you know, I can play with them, I can be silly with them and then just, just being in, in next to my wife and I can hold her and just talk to her about things and she can talk to me about that. And I got the V going on sometimes. <laughs> and she's just going at it and going at it, going at it. She's just venting and venting and venting. And I'm like, I'm all right with that. You know, so, and that's to me, that's amazing. I should, I should probably pause you right there just because for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, Tony Robinson knows what the V is. <laughs> And going at it and going at it and going at it. Let me just clarify really quickly. The V is venting. And, and one of the things that Tony uh, teaches us is uh, for men is how to, what he calls mastering the V, mastering the, the feminine vent. And that women sometimes come to us and need to unload and vent. And that if we don't, uh, if we don't see it as a challenge and need to fix it or try to whatever, that we can allow it to happen and let it come out and, <laughs> So anyway, so you were you, mastering the V. Very good on you for that. Nicely done. Sometimes uh, I interrupt her. I'm like, oh, go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I'm like, because I, I want to interrupt. I'm like, but, but, but I want to put, I want to put the, the, the end result into it, you know. But right. Then, but go ahead, baby. I'm, I'm sorry. Is that all you got? You yeah. know, I'm pretty sure you have something else more, you know, that you want to talk about. Well, now that you say it, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the most terrifying question, and how does that make you feel? Yeah, and then you have another 45-minute session. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's, it's incredible for me, just my wife and, and my kids, and just living in a happy, happy situation, happy uh, environment, you know. And, and, of course, we want to reach the, the things that, that we can and, and be able to help others as well because I think that people – can live in in this situation. Everybody's capable of it. You know, if one man can do it, another can. You know, and so can we all live in a way that we're happy about things. And and you know, nothing is always perfect. It never is. And you know, as long as you can smile and you can realize that this is something that I can be better. This is something that I can uh, change. And this is something, and situation, and and emotion that that uh that can be. Uh, that can be a salt, mm-hmm. you know, and um, as long as I can, as, as long as I can do that, I mean, I'm, I'm happy and, and I want to be able to share that with people. I want to be able to, to help as much people as I can because it is truly an amazing thing, and I, you know, to be able to, to help people that you care about and others and have them come up to you and like, you know what, thank you for the help or you've inspired me or this and that, and that's the most amazing thing. And but of course, it starts with my family to be able to make it, you know, uh, fulfilled in, in a sense that we're laughing and smiling and just having a good time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Man. Um, you you've got two sons, uh, aged one and two. Is that right? Or maybe yeah, almost one and three. One and three, almost one and three. Yeah. Okay. 
what is it that you, what are some of the core concepts that you're going to be teaching them uh, about what it means to be a man as they grow up? It's okay to cry. <laughs> it's okay to cry as a man. It's okay to be emotional as a man. Um, but at one is that you always want to be who you are as a person, as a being. They'll never take that away from you, you know, and, and communicate in every way that you can because some guys don't know how to communicate. And that's something that we don't have in our, in our, in our blueprint, you know, that communication. But if you can teach them at an early age communication, that whatever you feel, you know, that you can share, that you can say, you know, it's okay. And, but most of all, don't ever hide your emotions. Mm. That's something that I'm teaching my kids is that, you know, I let them cry. You know, go ahead and cry. It's okay to cry. But I always tell them, you know, because um, right now my kids, is, my, my older one, my eldest, is, is very competitive. He's very competitive. He always wants to win. And if he doesn't win, he cries about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I always tell him, he's like, listen, you always got to try harder. All right, just keep trying harder. If you if you're not good enough right now, you just keep trying harder because you can always be better. You can always be better. But one thing that I always put them is that it's okay to to be to have emotion within you. Yeah, I love that. Um, what is, what's next for you? Do you have another fight lined up yet? Right now, we're just negotiating a fight. Maybe in September or August. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what the final judgment is and where it's gonna be. Um, you know, it usually takes time because they need people to kind of sponsor and, right. and put all this other stuff in and then the networks and all of that. So, well, one know. thing, one thing I love about you that I read about you online too, is that you're, you're the, you're the champ right now, but you're not looking to ride it out. You're not looking for, you know, easy wins. Like you want to fight the best. Is there somebody, is there somebody out there that you're looking to, well, there's, to take on? there's what's your next Love there's it. there's uh there's this guy who holds two belts and this other guy who has the other belt. I want to take all the belts, but then there's one guy that defeated me uh, a while back, and um that was that was uh that's that's something that he he's he's the number one in the division right now. Although he doesn't have the belt yet. Well, actually, he got he just got the belt, but um, you know, um, I'm willing to go out there and and, and take that because I do feel that I wasn't at the best that I can. When I was when I was there, and for me this time with the mentality that I have, with the with the um, just the mindset of of growing, of being better, um, I know that there is no one out there. Uh, I we're, I know we're getting close to short on time here, but I wanted to ask you before we left what what is your regiment for while you're training? What's your typical day? Well, I wake up in the morning. I do my morning rehab with my shoulders, uh, knees, and uh, not shoulders elbows and and uh, my my ankle you know um, I just strengthen those every single time um, I do a lot of a lot of that stuff and then of course I do my running after that maybe about either running biking or sprinting and and um, what time do you wake up did you say uh, depends if I'm running up in the mountains as well if I'm running up in the mountains I wake up at four o'clock you know if I'm running in the just in the track or just around here in my place um, around five or six o'clock, mm-hmm. you know, and then I go to the gym about three and I'm there for about two to three hours of boxing. You, uh, you're waking up at five, you're doing rehab stuff. And then mm-hmm. what are you doing in the late I, I in run, the morning? You're running in the morning, run sprints or bike, um, or go up in the mountains and run up there. 
Um, and then in the afternoon is when I do my boxing stuff, sparring, hitting the mitts, hitting the bags and all that stuff. Gotcha. What kind of food are you, do you eat while you're training? Well, I would try to go as, as healthy as I can. You know, I have, I, I do a lot of, um, uh, cold pressed juice, I do a lot of juicing and stuff like that. Um, I do a lot of chicken and fish and, and vegetables and not too much carb for me. Um, uh, but I do a lot of that stuff. Just main, you know, just different kind of meat or kind of fish, um, you know, on a daily and stuff like that. Gotcha. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to take you up on your offer and get some, uh, some of your Filipino cooking at some point. <laughs> All right. I've got a friend who's married to a Filipino and, and it, they make the best, best dinners, man. So I would love to take you up on that. Flash, it's been awesome, man. I love, uh, I love hearing about your story. I love your courage and, uh, your transparency, uh, you know, world champion boxer, and yet, you know, yeah, sometimes you got to cry. Sometimes you got to let the emotion out, and I, I appreciate that greatly about you and, and who you are. So, anyway, thank you for your time today, and and thank you, Rachel, as well for that guest appearance. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect because I just hear my son just crying right now. He just woke up, so yeah, that's perfect. Good timing, man. Things happen for a reason, man. All right, brother, have a great one. Thanks <laughs> thank again. You, thank you, thank you, Peter, and thanks for having me.